Welcome to the Tej Talks Podcast. Forget the property celebrities. We speak to relatable people with fascinating journeys, just like you. Hosted by Tej Singh, we bring you new stories, life-changing deals, and expert advice every week. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ted Talks podcast. Today was quite a fun one actually, talking about rent to rent. I've had a few people doing rent to rent on the podcast lately and I think it is a great strategy when you are starting out in property. It's a really good way to take not a huge amount of cash, you know, we're talking sort of a couple of grand, five grand, maybe 10 grand and create some really nice cash flow. In fact, I'm actually considering looking for some rent to essays right now. I'm kind of putting the word out there a little bit because I think some of the return on investment that you get, especially when it's totally managed, is pretty sweet, you know. So I'm looking at it as like an investment, although it is property. Uh, I'm kind of looking at it like, well, hey, I've got to put in three or four grand first month's rent, deposit, etc. But I'm getting five, six, you know, maybe seven hundred quid a month fully managed. That's pretty sweet to me. So you know, Dan talks about his story, how he went from working in a job he actually enjoyed, but having to travel thousands of miles to then quitting property only ten days before we recorded this podcast. Sorry, quitting his full time job and being full-time in property. Also talks briefly about the networking event he runs and how he's now doing developments. So from rent-to-rents, straight into developments, and actually how his rent-to-rents are generating £5,000 a month. That's pretty sweet from properties you don't own, right? Hey everyone, just a quick reminder or announcement. Me and James is formerly the property duo, currently just the duo, two blokes. Uh, we are launching a flip weekend course. Now we, we're pretty sure this is going to be on the 6th and 7th of November. We have an information pack ready for you. We've had over 60 people register their interest and are currently in discussions as of now. I need to send the pack out actually to all these 60 people, but it's going to be the whole weekend plus four site visits. That's at four different stages of this whole refurb. So at separate times, to this weekend. Um, we are going to cover everything from finding, sourcing, securing, you know, using auctions, using weird legal issues to secure things. We're going to talk about the refurb in proper detail, everything, waterproofing, bloody bathrooms, all the way until getting it finished, getting it managed, snagging it, staging it digitally or physically, the photo, everything, you know, how to pick an agent or do you want to sell it yourself? We are going to cover everything about flipping in a crazy, crazy weekend. And of course, we have our signature infamous three course lunches on both events. You also get a free ticket to our upcoming special networking event, which will be announced later. But this flip weekender, again, it's like the five day we did before. People really, really loved the site visits. You know, they had, they had five days of it for this HMO. Um, and we're doing it again for flips. Now remember this, these events only really happen when we have a project and we're kind of changing our strategy soon. So actually. This may be one of the last we do that has a full, you know, four site visits where you get to see it stripped out, first fix, second fix, everything. So, you know, there's no other event that does this. And when you see the price, yeah, it'd be silly. So come and see us. Look forward to having you there. Dan, welcome to the Tej Talks podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to this. We've kind of been speaking back and forth on Facebook for like a long time. Yeah. And kind of never really like, oh, I suppose we haven't met. We haven't met, have we? No, we haven't met. No, no we haven't. Met. No, no, haven't met. Not you the live, pleasure. You live by the seaside, so it's, it's a bit far. Yes. Um, so <laughs> and, and that's kind of what we're going to talk about today, actually, is rent to rent and doing it in Cornwall, which, you know, I'm having a few investors kind of in these, I don't know what I call them, the Southwest? Yeah, yeah, go with that. South, Southwest. Yeah, South, Southwest. And these kind of towns where I suppose a lot of people look at it and just say, oh, well, you know, holiday lets and like, yeah, Mm. people just go there once a year and stuff. But actually, 
there's a lot more to it, which, you know, we're going to talk about. Um, and, you know, you recently left your day job. So congrats on that. Thank you. And, uh, yeah, we're going to, I suppose, speak about the transition because, you know, Mm. when I say you just left it, I mean, 10 days ago, did you finish? Like, I did. Yeah. End of August, end of August 21. Yeah. So I think there's going to be some lessons here for people who are in a similar situation to you because it is a big transition, as you know. Um, yeah. So we want to kind of share that with them. But before, or maybe even during in this case, before you got into property, like what were you doing and what was your life like? Um, it was easy, simple, fantastic, um, stress-free. No, so yeah, it, missed it, those days. <laughs> yeah, those were the good old days. Um, to be fair, yeah, where did I start really? So I went to uni, uh, studied to become a, a teacher, secondary school teacher, um, moved down to Devon, uh, sorry, Dorset even, and taught secondary school PE for four and a half years. Realised that, to be fair, the more the better you are, uh, the more shit you get given. Honestly, <laughs> just excuse my French, if that's okay. Um, and yeah, I just couldn't see. I couldn't. I was just losing motivation left, right, and centre. Just thinking, I just can't see myself doing this for 50, 60 years, sort of thing. So um, I changed careers then and went into sales. Um, and I went into construction sales. So I was working for an insulation manufacturer, uh, essentially selling insulation to merchants, builders, merchants, uh, builders, architects, etc. Uh, moved my way up to a, a national role there where I was a specification manager. So I was working with them, building controls, uh, national developers, architects and things. And yeah, no, so I really enjoyed that. But I went to a family wedding um, back in end of 2018 and the groom was obviously in property. I didn't realise just how much until his best man started saying, well, um, he's done really, really well this year. He's bought six properties. I'm thinking, how the hell has he bought six properties? So I was like, how does that work? So I, I did the... Um, the courteous stalking on Facebook, realised he'd done a few uh, property courses and basically just following those footsteps, just started listening to the podcast. I was in the car, Tej, like literally I was doing a thousand miles a week. <laughs> so a lot of hours in the car traveling and I was listening to, I, I can't remember, well, I can now, but I, I wasn't listening to the radio at all. I was literally just podcasts, audiobooks, just trying to absorb as much as possible. And um, I think we generally, mate, I a bit odd, a bit weird, but I've been um, following you, mate, since you started. I think we started similar times, to be fair. Um, it's been a couple of years now. So, again, massive respect what you've done. And I've followed your podcast um, since you started, mate. And it's a, it's a real honour to be finally involved because, cringingly, one of my targets and aims and goals when I first started was, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna get interviewed on the Tej Talks podcast. Why not? <laughs> so, uh, as, um, as, as cringe as that is now saying it to you on the podcast. But, but yeah, it's just... It's just kind of gone from there, really, mate. Well, I love that. You know, when I asked you, you didn't send me like a hundred uh, smiling emojis and you weren't, you know, so you were playing it cool. I, I oh, like it. I like yeah, it. definitely, mate. I've got I've <laughs> to take your posters down, mind. Yeah. Um, and this is getting a bit funny about it. <laughs> I, I can no. imagine, yeah, there's some, there's some nice pictures of me out there. So, you know, when you were, well, I suppose, obviously you, you told us about the kind of logical steps there, but why, obviously you saw that the, the, the groom was in property and, you know, everyone likes a bit of property, but what was the like real reason you wanted to get into property, yeah. What was the pain? The pain for me is I've got, um, at the time, the wedding, I didn't know too much. I like property, I like homes on the hammer, the whole cliche, but never really understood. I thought I'd have to be a millionaire to get involved. What was the pain is I was traveling a lot with my work. Um, my wife um, was pregnant with our second. Now, actually, no, we just had Jude. We just had our second child. And with me generally staying away once or twice a week, um, and the, my eldest, um, Noah, he was starting to say, oh, daddy, miss you. And it just started to... Um, pull on the old heartstrings as you do. So it was kind of, I just, I'm just missing too much. Uh, I could see how much more hard work it was for my wife and I was just missing family time really, mate. So I thought, well, how can I stop this? 
And I knew if I was going to go any further with Actis or in sales generally, living in Cornwall, I'd have to go to a, a, a bigger corporate um, company. And with that, I'd be traveling even more. I'd be staying away even more. Although the money would be even better. It's just kind of like, I, I didn't want that. So the pain for me was missing the family and missing out on the time, which I knew I wouldn't get back. So I just wanted to make a change as soon as I possibly could, really. Mm. And I think that's so common, you know, I think it's kind of the freedom and the wealth to, yeah, do the school run and just do what you want. You know, it's kind of yeah, massively property can give us that. I mean, if we ever stop buying and if we ever stop like doing it, (laughs) actually enjoy a portfolio, it, it can definitely do that. So, you know, there's 101 different strategies, you know, you have listened to all these podcasts, audiobooks, you know, you've heard everyone doing everything. Uh, how did you work out what you wanted to start with? Uh, trial and error, Ted, in all honesty. Um, I knew that I didn't have a lot of time and I didn't have ma- masses of money. So it was kind of like, well, I need to try and systemize either um, an entry level strategy. So generally what I was finding and uh, my learnings told me and um, taught me that the entry level sort of things, if you haven't got money, um, you need to generally to get in property, you need to be sourcing or rent to rent. They're kind of like the entry level property uh, strategies that I could see. So initially, Ted, I actually started looking into sourcing. So I set myself up as a compliant sourcer, got all the insurances in place, joined all the ombudsmen's. And I, I just went ahead and I was doing my direct vendor lettering. Uh, I had a VA scraping off right move. I literally, if I was going to do something, I was going to do it properly. Um, but I soon realized I was getting so many callbacks from my letters um, that I, I couldn't, I didn't have the time to then actually put some effort in and, and time into actually nurture them and actually build it. A lot of the callbacks don't be wrong. As soon as I offer the price, they'll tell me to F off down the phone for, for example. But I was just finding out very, very quickly. I think it took me one or two months to realize, crikey, there's actually a lot more to source than it is just sending a letter out and trying to bag a deal. Um, you've also then got to sign, sell the deal, etc. So I think a couple of months down the line, I realized that, crikey, this is a lot more difficult than I thought. And I really haven't got the time to be doing this. So what I then looked into what other strategies there were, and I was really against rent to rent. I know from your earlier podcast, you were kind of, you're, you were the same. Um, you couldn't get your head into it either. And I was kind of like, is this really for me? So I went to a local property networking event called the Professional Investment Group, which is the, the kind of like southwesterly networking events. And I, I went to one and I was basically, I was sold rent to rent. I just thought, crikey, this is the next option I've got. Um, so I went on a training course. It was a weekend course. Uh, I highly do recommend it. I'm very hard to be sold to, to be fair. Um, I think you're quite similar. Um, I, it doesn't. It takes quite a lot for me to part with some cash for those sort of things. But I could see the options. I could see, and I believed in the the guys who were talking to me about it and educating us. And they, true to the word, they've been fantastic. Um, I, I, if you're happy for me to name drop, can I name drop? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's Francis Dolly uh, and Will Matthews. Um, and they were a multi-let cash flow system. And they basically did a talk at Pig for us. And it was one of my first Pig events. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm really pissed off at myself because I've just been sold. <laughs> uh, I was meant to be going on a stag do at the end of that following. My, um, that was in February. And at the end of February, I was meant to go on a stag do to Portugal. Um, and I literally bailed out of the stag do and went on this training course. Um, I'd already I'd lost my hotel and flights, but I just didn't want to miss this opportunity because the next like weekend course was like another few months down the line. I just thought I need to do this now. So I sacrificed the stag do and I that's went on the training move, course. That that's a big move, you know. I know, I know. Um, <laughs> I probably probably spent the same amount of money as I would have done on the stag do anyway. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I treated my wife to a lovely weekend away in Bristol on this course um, for a day. <laughs> and um, I, I thought, again, I could do this course on my own, but I've got to get her into this. I need her help. And I need, um, no one's going to sell it 
and better to her than than the guys at the course. So I thought, right, no, she's going to come with me. So we went and did it together. Um, and literally, Tej, all I've done is followed the process that I was told and copy and pasted essentially what I was advised to do. Mm. And before before we talk about the rent to rent, you you said you were sending out DTV letters and you were getting so many responses you couldn't handle it. Did I hear that right? You did, yeah. But don't be wrong; these were responses were that. I wasn't putting offers in my letters. It was a case of I'm looking to um, purchase properties. We're local investors looking to purchase properties just like yourself, like yours that you're selling. Um, if you'd be interested in chatting, please give us a call. Um, it might even mean that we could avoid you having to pay agency fees, for example. And I was getting a lot of calls. Obviously, people wanted to sell their houses, wanted to save some money. There were quite a lot of people were interested. But then I was thinking, right, I need to start filtering out a lot of the time wasters for me. So then I started realizing, right, I can't, I need to start putting offers in on my letters to see if there was an a gauging of interest. And it, then that process of actually making the letters even more personalized and specific to um, each of the or, or of the homeowners was just taking far more time than it was initially. So yeah, I was getting a lot of callbacks, but a lot of them were time wasters. To say time wasters, they were just people not motivated enough. So my, my search criteria wasn't strict enough in the start. So yeah, I think it's quite unusual to have so many responses, even if it is just to an initial letter. Um, you know, a lot of people, you I know, mean, one of the guys I'm mentoring said he sent out 300 letters and he's had one response. And actually, wow, it could be an incredible deal, but it's like, that's a, the, the failure rate on that is like point, you know, it, it's ridiculous. Like it's a, it's a, such a big, um, statistical kind of failure. Yeah. And yeah, you only need a couple of deals to make it happen. But I mean, and out of interest, is what, what are his letters like? Are they, um, are they quite professional letters? They handwritten letters? Um, I, I can't remember. I would, knowing him, they're probably kind of professional. So um, mine were really rough. Um, mine were handwritten. Well, they weren't handwritten, but I'd scanned them so they looked handwritten. So I, I had like a master letter. Um, but yeah, I had, I was, I was on yellow paper with red pen. Like literally I got really into a bit, bit, a bit too much really, but it seemed to work. I used to get calls back, but again, I was trying to build rapport and because I was getting calls back, um, they just weren't motivated enough. Um, that, that was simply it. I was targeting houses that had been on the market for three or more months, but still, as soon as I started discussing figures and things like that, it was like, no, man, that's nowhere near what we're going for. Mm. And that's often the case, like, there's always those leads, but you think they're a warm lead and then they got a brand new house to sell or it's like, no, they're not. So yeah, directive in is an interesting strategy there. But, you know, if we move on to rent to rent, um, what do you think? What do you, when you started out in rent to rent, you know, did you look at it as, okay, this is something I'm going to start out with? Or did you look at it as, you know, what I can do this for years and years and years and this will be everything. No, it was always a short term strategy for me. Um, I knew basically it was just a step one, get myself out of the day job. Step two, build the empire. That was was literally all I had on my my whiteboard was I need to get out of this day job. How can I get out of this day job? So simply create that business plan. What are my outgoings? Literally slim down everything. Um, Literally cropped, yeah, worked out every outgoing. What can we cut? cut on, save on, et cetera, et cetera. That is our target. Now, how many rents rents do I need to get to that target? And once I'm at that target, I am then out of the day job and then I can really start hitting it hard and building that um that asset portfolio really because i have more time and experience behind me but no i don't want to be a letting agent um and my risk i always see rent to rent as it is just a massive risky strategy because at any time the landlords could essentially turn around and say no want property back i appreciate we've got contracts but (laughs) the contracts are um the landlords if they're going to be silly buggers about it then we really (laughs) could be screwed (laughs) over quite quickly so i've always seen it as a ticking time bomb I see that I've got three and five year leases on these properties and I need to make up that 
income that I've now got. So I've left the day job. My income is covered with um, and some with the rent to rent. So I'm safe, but I've only got another two, three, four years on these leases. I need to make sure that my income is covered now in my assets rather than just these um, the rent to rents. That's how I see it. Because at the end of those four, five, three, four, five years, the, the landlords might want their properties back, which is absolutely fine. And I'm just banking on them wanting them back. I'd like to think they won't, but I'm I'm a very much a worst case scenario. If I can, if I'm happy with worst case scenario, I can't be disappointed. Mm. So that's the way I look at it. No, rent to rent is a very short term strategy in my eyes. And, you know, you made an interesting point before, and we'll speak about the kind of like blueprint, I suppose, where you, you know, you basically copied and pasted what you were told, how to do it, what to say, where to go, how, you know, and I think obviously you paid for that. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, that's normal. I think that it just kind of highlights the two main ways of educating yourself. One is the freeway, the networking, the meeting people, the audiobooks, the books, blah, 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 which you, know, you do get a good chunk of information from, don't get me wrong, but you don't get a blueprint. You don't get the glue to kind of piece all these little different bits together. Um, you get sort of bits of information all over the shop. And if you pay and, and it's a good course, like it was for you, you do get that blueprint. And like you said, you copied and pasted it. And that's obviously onto you and your mindset and how you approach things. But, you know, did it make your life easier? And I suppose, would you recommend to other people, you know, to do something like this where it does give you a blueprint? Oh, for sure. I, I could have done this without potentially and learned the hard way and taken a lot more time and taken me longer i could have just been a what you would call an, an asshole um <laughs> for, <laughs> for quite some time mate but having put myself out there and shared as much as i possibly can for free like i don't I'm, I'm literally just trying to help others as well in terms of look this is what i did this is how i've done it so um it was i could have done that it would have taken me far longer and yeah that was the, the risk so i feel that as everyone everyone wants a quick win and a quick fix so it was a case of, well, why am I just going to struggle and make my own failures when I can just quickly go and learn from someone else's failures? Although, yeah, I've got to pay for it. Well, that's a, that's a cost that I'm just going to have to put into it and um, I'll make sure it works. Simple as that, really. But I, again, similar. Like I, I, I'm, it's, it takes a lot of time for me to buy into someone and buy a, a property course. Like I've, been, I've, I've looked at many options and other courses and things like that. And this was just one I really bought into the guys that were delivering it. They're my kind of humor, dry. I was really talking myself up here. Uh, charming charismatic <laughs> but um no i just really bought into them tej and they they were true to were they were a really good course interactive course there was an online support group afterwards so if you had questions other rent to renters who graduated from the course they were there as well so no yeah I, I can i speak really highly of of francis and will and the course that they they delivered there it was really really helpful um there was a little upsell on some more documents on the course uh, as there always is, isn't there um again i did purchase it, it was i think it was like an extra four or 500 pounds on the top of my head, but they gave you like a, how to employ your property manager manual, um, how to organize your refurbs. And I, I thought, right, I don't want to be asking these questions later on. If I've got all the answers here for when I do want them and ask them, then fantastic. So again, it is how far and how much you want to invest. Um, I did not invest more than I think it was about 1500 pounds in total, I'm completely honest with you. And I don't regret that one second because I wouldn't have done this as quickly as I did um, if I hadn't done it. And have you made back that 1,500 basically? Has it been a good ROI? Oh, massively. Yeah, definitely. I think that that is kind of a thing people, I suppose people, we don't look at right? we look at, well, how much is it going to cost? Not, well, what's my return on this going to be? Because if I learn how to do this with a grand and I can make a grand a month with it, then it's kind of a no brainer if... Oh, if it is, you know, it's yeah. as good as it should be. So but don't get me wrong, Tej. I, I still keep in t- contact with three or four people who are on my table on the course and none of them have done anything with it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it, it massively just comes down to how much you want it, your motivation, how, what's your drive like? Because yeah, people have done exactly the same course. People have done exactly the same training, got exactly the same resources, but they haven't done what we've been able to do. So, and that's just simply come down to application. Like we've, we just wanted it more perhaps. I think that was probably it. Yeah. And a lot of people like to just, you know, chat shit and pretend they're going to do something and, and say, oh, if I make, if I do a course, I'll, I'll do it or it'll like convince me to doing it. It's like, Mm-mm-mm. you need to convince yourself. You need to be on it and you need to be ready for this to happen. So yeah, it's true. You know, X many people will go on any course. It could be the best course in the world, most highly rated, highly referred. And people will walk off it and do nothing. And that's their own fault, in my opinion. That's their own, that's their own problem. And so, you know, from this rent to rent, uh, courses went to an experience. How did you then, you know, what was, the, I suppose, what happened from leaving that to getting your first rent to rent? Um, from the course, I uh, amended my letters. So they gave us kind of like a template letters that you could use um, as a guide. I amended them, made them a bit more personal to ourselves. And I literally just peppered the direct to vendor, um, downloaded the landlord register, the HMO landlord registers, and um, highlighted. Well, initially I was looking at uh, Plymouth, but I realized that Plymouth was just. It was just, um, there was a lot of competition in Plymouth um, and it was still an hour, a good hour away from me, from my, where I live in Cornwall. So I was thinking, oh, what else could we look? So I started then targeting Falmouth, which um, which is even more southern, west, southwesterly from where I am currently in Cornwall. So again, it's a good hour from me location wise, but that's the um, Falmouth University. So there's university down in Falmouth. That was, that was simply it. So I was targeting the HMO register. I was literally sending direct-to-vendor letters to landlords. Um, I sent probably a good 250, 300 letters out. Uh, is this just... or is this up with the system? Um, I, my wife Jodie and I would sit on the sofa of an evening once the kids were in bed. I would get her to read me out because it was all on a PDF. Really frustrating. Oh. So I would get her to read me the, the landlord's name and the address and I would type it out. <laughs> so that took us a good few weeks. Um, wow. And then I literally mail merged the letters and then, yeah, we would print them out ourselves here. We would then hand write the letter, uh, the envelopes and um, yeah, send them out from there. But we, we weren't getting responses from the first lot. So if there's any tips I could recommend for anyone, it's just send like a, a letter one, letter two, letter three, like staggered approach. So if you don't get a response on letter one, well, brilliant. Edit the letter, change it slightly and send a follow-up letter. Don't get a response. So, so it wasn't until I got the second or third letter out on some of the occasions that I was actually starting to get a bite um, and some, yeah, some some uh, callbacks essentially. So from my probably about three hundred letters I sent out, I got I think about five or six landlords from memory. Yeah, about five landlords. Six. I lost. I think I lost. Yeah, I lost my first deal. Um, again, just from experience, they liked the um, liked the concept. They liked me, but they were a bit nervy that. I hadn't had any properties and they were potentially going to be my first one. Mm-hmm. And they were a bit nervous about that. Then their solicitor checked over the contracts and the solicitor was like, what the hell is this <laughs> sorcery um, or rent to rent? Why did this guy want to put money into your property? Let's like, see. So yeah. He, he, her solicitor then um, basically worried her. So she was like, no, I just, I'm a bit too nervy on this, et cetera, et cetera. So she didn't proceed and then learned from that. So obviously when I next sent the contracts out, I made sure that you need to make sure you speak to a property specialist, solicitor, et cetera, et cetera. And um, yeah, just learn from those really, Tej. So my first deals, I started sending letters out in April and I bagged my first three deals within the space of a week, actually. Um, two deals are from the same landlord as a portfolio landlord. And the other was a, well, two of them actually out of the three were purchase lease options. Wow. And how, so you started sending the letters in April and how long did it take to get that week of the three deals? The week of the three deals, I finalized after the contracts, etc. We actually secured them and got the keys in July. 
Okay, so, so April, May, June, July, yes, three or four months. So, you know, given that you're you know, sending out all these letters and you're sending them out multiple times, I mean, that's really not a long period of time. And obviously, when we talk about the figures as well, people will realise that, yeah, you know, compared to bite a letter, so slow, compared to a flip, which is so slow, like, that really isn't a long period of time for, you know, someone whether it's you or not, but for someone to go from being in a position where they got zero other cash flow and actually having enough cash flow that someone may be able to quit their job. Or well, my wife was part-time teaching, so it meant that she didn't need to worry anymore. Well, so you know, that was it. So we got her out. Rent to rent, you know, it, it is really powerful. And the speed of it as well is really powerful. Now, at this point when you were starting out, how much cash did you have to put into property? Um we didn't have a lot or any really what we did do is took a risk and um, we remortgaged our own residential so we pulled out some cash there but in essence i've got some numbers here what were my first refurbs are we spent for probably spent about three three to four thousand pounds on a refurb essentially on each one um and we at a rate uh, would have negotiated with the landlords that they would pay 50 percent, or we would pay 50 percent because they're only small refurbs on the larger refurbs the landlords were paying or my more recent ones they're paying 90 to 95 percent of the refurb but um yeah no that, that's simply it really the, the whole myth on the, you don't need any money to start on rent to rent I, yeah bollocks <laughs> it's rubbish i don't i don't believe it um because if you're going to do a quality job unless it's a ready-made rent to rent deal then then i don't also question why are you getting it <laughs> why do they not want to keep it but um no you've, you've got to be prepared and our model really Tej, was focusing on the really run down horrible grotty student accommodations that they were struggling to let so the landlords were very motivated I would then send um, the specification that this is what we need to be doing to ensure that I can offer you this guaranteed rent. Um, and we are happy to pay 50% of that refurbishment if you're happy to work with us as well. Um, all of them have had um, rent-free periods of between four to six weeks whilst we carry out the refurb. So yeah, they've, they've all been good good opportunities. And I say two of them, well, for example, our first deal was, I've got, I've got the notes here, our first deal was cash flowing us to five bed, cash flowing us about £800 a month. Uh, 860 sorry 860 pound a cattle a month and the two purchase lease options we've got those secured and ready to be purchased in the next two and three years respectively so again it's just the hedges aren't they purchase lease options are hedges you agree a price early doors you're going to be cash flowing for the duration of the the lease and you're hoping that the property will have gone up in value and you've timed the market right um but the beauty is is an option you don't have to purchase it at the end if you if it's not right for you but Absolutely. the nice thing is having that option. And how much are those PLOs cash flowing? The PLOs cash flowing, uh, one is 800 and the other is 750. So all in all, though, we're looking at 2,300, 2,400? Yeah, yeah, just those three, yeah. So that times 12 is about the average salary in the UK. Um, and potentially, if, you know, the hedge works, then you, you know, you have two properties that you're going to own eventually at some point if you want to um which should be some t- form of bmv so this is really powerful and i think you know it just shows you know if we go back to how long it took to get to this stage you know taking three months to get to the stage where we can generate that much income is obviously you put in hours and hours and you know you did a lot of manual lettering in it but mm. it worked and so when it came to the lease options, is this something that the vendor suggested or is it something you came in and said hey this may actually work for you no, so my tip to everyone would be I'd never offer just one offer. I'll always offer three. So 
obviously I won't just go willy nilly. I'll, I'll speak to the landlord at this in occasion. I'll speak to the vendor, the landlord, um, on my meetings with them and just try and find out a bit more about them. Would you sell the property? Well, potentially, or no, this is for my kids sort of thing. So it, those sort of vibes, I'd never offer a purchase lease often because then it shows I'm not listening. Um, but if they kind of um and are, yeah, potentially one day or whatever. So with those sort of vibes, I would think, right, okay, it might be an option here for a purchase lease option. So I would also, my my offers would always be a three-year offer, a five-year offer for rent to rent, sorry, these are, and then a third offer would be a purchase lease option offer. But the difference in those offers would be, the one I really, really want would be the purchase lease option, obviously. So I'd offer them probably a little bit more rent to try and entice them into that. Um, the one I wouldn't want out of the three the most, that my least um, favorite would be the three-year option because it's just not a long enough security for me. So I would offer slightly less rent for the three years. So you, you kind of just kind of steer them the way you want to go. Um, but yeah, no, essentially all it was, Tej, is I offered um, a couple of or well, two or three options and they they preferred the, the purchase lease option on those occasions. And what was like, because I think lease options are seen as like a bit of a unicorn, um, you know, like you don't really get them that often, you know, you need certain situations, you know, there's people out there who like purely hunt lease options because they're so powerful and, you know, you can do it for a pound or a piece of pepper, whatever it is. Um, with this, what was the motivation behind these vendors in terms of like, why did they agree a lease option? What was their motivation? So the first option was the portfolio landlord. And this was a property. He basically had a difficult year. There's been a lot of student accommodation go up in the local area and this property is becoming more and more difficult to let. Um, and it was just becoming a bit more a pain in the ass. And I think basically he had all of these properties under one letting agent. And I think the summer before he'd realized that actually he's got too many eggs in one basket. So he actually had this property on the market and for rent. So it, that was a big indicator for anyone. If it's on for rent and for sale, then clearly there's an option there for purchase because they don't need the money if they're happy to rent it. But if it's for sale, then they're also happy to sell. So I offer, I basically ticked both of those boxes for him. I said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll give you your income guaranteed for the next five years, but I'll also buy it for you at the end of those five years. So he was chuffed to bits with that one. So um, yeah, essentially that was the, the model there. And the motivation there was just, he was struggling to let it. It was becoming a bit more of a pain in his backside to let it every year. And then, and it was just because of the standard Tej. And then the second purchase lease option was just, a, it was a, a family an older family who had bought the property for their child when they were at university. So they, their daughter had left, rented the room out from them and her friends had also. So basically they bought the property for them and they just kept hold of it for ever since. So they were looking to get out of the market and maybe go into some holiday lets. Uh, and I just said, well, look, if you sit with me for a little bit longer, because initially they were saying, well, they want to get me to put the contract in place and then they want to sell the property. I was like, oh, well, hang on a minute, mate. That isn't going to work. Um, what about my tenants if the new landlord doesn't um the new owner doesn't want us or something so i just said i'm not prepared to work with you on that but if you are willing to sell well why don't i buy it from you at the end of this uh, contract and yeah they, they just they like the idea of it so we sold that one there and I've, i'm just in the process of going for a third purchase lease option now that we're looking to secure and the third purchase lease option again is um is an older family who bought the property for their daughter who was at university at the time and just kept hold of it and their motivation again is they don't need the money but they, the property's causing them a real pain in the backside, issues with tenants and the agents. And I just said, well, look, let me take those issues away and we'll purchase it at the end. Yeah, they've, they're they moving to Spain and they're really, really keen on that idea too. So yeah, um, come what we in now, September, I'd like to think come November time, we'll have three purchase lease options under our belts then. Very nice. And, you know, as you were growing your rent to rents from these, this first one and two and three of the purchase lease options, what was your biggest challenge? What was kind of the biggest obstacle? Um, time management for me because obviously I'm still I'm doing all this whilst in a full time job traveling the country. Uh, yes, 
So for me, it was a massive thing. And I'm still an hour away from all these properties. So I'm there traveling. I'm, if you put on your map, if you're looking at Cornwall on the map, I'm bang in the middle of Cornwall, but I'm after, I cover my national job. I cover up to Scotland. So I was having to get on flights up to Scotland or flights to London or traveling, driving up to Manchester. So I was doing some silly hours in the car. And then if there was an issue with the properties, then I was like, ah, shit, my wife's got two kids. So she's kind of like difficult for her to, to get down there. So we, the, the difficult time for me was finding a reliable, good, trustworthy power team, whether it be maintenance, plumbing, electrics, those sort of things, those people that I can rely on uh, and not have to get down there to, and cleaners, even more importantly, and I can rely on. You know, did you find that as you were trying to look for these rent to rents, like agents and vendors were kind of doing the classic, oh, we don't understand it, we're scared of it, we don't like it? Was there a lot of objection to, you know, rent to rent? Yeah, there were the, initially there was. Um, interestingly, the landlord that we've taken two off, he's quite familiar with leases because he actually leased one of his large, large properties to the university himself. So mm-hmm. he's quite familiar, which made it a bit more, a bit, yeah, it was a far easier to, to explain and get that over the line. But others were very much, mm, I don't, yeah, again, what is this sorcery? Like, what is this stuff? It, does, it sounds too good to be true. Was a lot of the um, was what we were hearing a lot of the time. Um, what security can you give us? Um, and those sort of questions. So in that respect, it's like, well, look, the contract, we can show you proof of funds and, and just fully explained on paper how we are going to afford to pay them. So those were the main misconceptions and concerns from the landlords and things. I didn't, I've never had um, to discuss it with an agent, Tej. I've never gone through an agent for a rent to rent. So mm. it, they have all been direct to vendor or I've had two that come on from referrals. And, you know, the direct to vendor, how are you now or how did you after the first kind of manual way of doing it? Did it, did you change how you're sending out letters? Um, I've only sent that first 300 letters were my first batch of letters and my only batch of letters. I've not sent letters since. Um, and that's, and we're now at, what we are, I'm only at seven, eight, eight rent to rents slash purchase lease options now. Uh, and I don't want any more, but yeah, no, I literally sent that first batch of letters. We um, were on social media, so we were putting out just social media posts. Where there's also a university kind of landlord university page, whereby agents will, for a student page, sorry, so student accommodations will be listed on this university page. But what I was finding is they also list the EPC, so I could get the address off the um, EPC. And then they had the either an agent's name name or number, or if the landlord was themselves doing it, managing it themselves, it would have the landlord's email address and phone number. So then I started scraping that information and started emailing just to save myself a bit of time. And um, I could then actually send some links to some real life case studies and things like that. So I literally have not sent a single letter since that initial batch. Since then, I've probably sent two rounds of emails to specific landlords. So as I say, we're on we're on eight. Of those eight, I think four have come from our letters and the rest of have come from emails or referrals from existing landlords. Wow. I mean, that's pretty good. I mean, not having to deal with agents is, is ideal, I think. Oh, massively, yeah. And especially, I mean, even even in by letters, it's <laughs> ideal if you can go direct to vendor and really negotiate this without a middle person, without someone kind of causing issues. And I think hopefully this inspires people looking to do rent to rent and actually if you are finding agents who are just so, so kind of obtuse and are not having it, then, you know, consider a, a direct of anything. And it might take you 3,000 letters. It might mm, take oh, you 600. Will, but, yeah, 100%. You know, it, it, it is it is kind of a, a long game for the short period of time. There's a lot of work to do. And so, um, you know, eight or so rent-to-rent slash um, purchase lease options. I suppose two things I want to talk about. First thing is what sort of income or rent rental profit can be was generated from that many? From sorry, how many was that? All of them. All of them, yeah. Um, just over five k a month. 
So this is something that, again, that's two people's average salaries. That's one person's, you know, and you don't own these. Well, you might. But no, exactly. Yeah, exactly. No, you're bang on. Yeah. You're controlling the asset and generating a large sum of money. And you, you're not having that many properties. So it's not like you have to deal with a crazy amount of things. But that leads me to my second question, which is, are these HMOs? These are HMOs, aren't they? All of these. Correct. Yes. And you're self-managing them? Correct. Yeah, that's right. So you know, rent-to-rent management then, and, and I suppose HMO management, same sort of thing. Um, how has it been? How have you found it? Is it passive? Is it busy? What's it like? Um, initially, until, as I say, getting that power team in place has been so, so key for me. Um, I It's not too bad now, Tej, if I'm totally honest. I'm, I'm really on top of it. I do regular inspections, and I think that's the key, is and also getting the right tenants in. We've had a couple of tenants that have been a bit iffy, um, been pains in our asses, but now that they've kind of moved on and we've been more stringent with our um, recruitment process for that it's massively helped so I, I can all know we've got about 40 tenants now and I've probably got one pain in the ass out of all those 40 and the rest all pay on time I've, that's been the hardest thing like for example to give you an idea what well, we've been doing this nearly two years now and of from those two years I think I've probably had four months in total where everyone has paid on time every month <laughs> it's kind of like there's always someone you need to chase or prod or just say, look, what's happening here? You're meant to have a direct debit, et cetera. But how passive is it? I All I've done this week is a few emails and I did half a day of property inspections yesterday. So I'll probably do, I'll do half a day every fortnight property inspections and the rest might be just emails. Or if a, a maintenance issue comes in now, I've got a really good maintenance guy whereby I'll just send him a video or a photo, a little voice note, and he'll then crack on and go and sort it for us. Do you ever get the thing where tenants are like, oh, can you change my bed sheets for me? Or, oh, I saw an ant. Can you come and rescue me? Like, Do you get, ever get silly stuff like that? Um, initially, again, the more finicky pains in the backside tenants. But yeah, but no, to be fair, it's like, touch wood. Um, they've been pretty good now. I think I was I was a bit too pally with them at start, Ted, more <laughs> honestly. Um, and because I was so approachable and easy to get hold of and just trying to really trying to impress, it just gave them a reason to talk to me bringing up these little issues so I, as i found that just trying to distance myself distance myself a little bit and actually just be very professional with it has actually made my life easier tenants are all great when i'm at the houses the most time consuming element is actually chatting to the tenants but at the end of the day they're my customers i want them to be happy yeah so that that's the most time consuming element of it really and they know and appreciate that if there's an issue we jump on it right away mm. so no, that's been the key. I think, yeah, I think for everyone, there's always that initial thing of being kind of a bit too pally and, and it's like you have to be firm but fair and also still friendly and still kind of human but understand the relationship and not give them an opportunity to take the piss because, you know, a lot of people will and, you know, when you have the government, when you have these charities, when you have the council who encourage, you know, rental arrears in, in no uncertain yeah. terms when it gets to it, and if certain tenants know about it, they can kind of take the piss. So you, you have to be really careful because there's some smart, evil tenants out there. Um, Switched on. Definitely. Yeah. But, there, but there's so many, so many good tenants. And as you've, you know, kind of said, the management is what the management is for you. And that's, I would say, it's probably because you've done all the necessary checks. You've vetted them to the nth degree and they are sort of, you know, you've brought them in. You've, instead of curing it, you've prevented it. So, exactly. hundred percent. Definitely. I think that makes a that makes a big difference. So before you know, you were kind of very adamant saying you're not getting any more rent to rent. Why not? Because the cash flow and the amount of work looks good to me. Um, it's more I want to be more hands off, Tej. I'm I'm not mm. doing this for another job, I'm doing this, I want freedom. Um and this at the minute, the rent to rent, although it's not taking a lot of my time, it's still another headache and another worry that it's all on my shoulders. I can't just pipe off to an agent or anything like that. I could, but 
I have I haven't got the cash flow. Um, <laughs> I need to be able to do that just yet. So again, the whole process is stage one of my the great escape, as I called it, on the day job was get enough rent to rent to cover mine and my wife's um, income, and that our life does not change for the kids or, or our family. And then once I'm there, get on and get some doors um, of our own, get some uh, as many owned assets as we possibly can to then replace that rent to rent income. So God forbid if anything happened, I'm I'm safe and so are the family sort of thing. So Absolutely. no, I don't want any more. Don't want the headache. Don't want the hassle. I just want to own properties, pass them over to a managing agent and be able to do what I want when I want. Would you say though that rent to rent is the best or one of the best strategies for those with a lower amount of money to kind of start out and to generate cash flow and to maybe generate enough to quit their jobs? If you haven't got cash, 100%. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I wouldn't have, I couldn't have done it any other way personally. Um, sourcing was just too much time for me. Um, mm. Again, holiday lets, SA, I think that, that the regular changeovers was were just worried me. Um, the amount of different tenants you've got, I suppose the, the risk you've got with HMOs, if you've got a bad egg, then it's going to be more difficult to get rid on a, on a holiday let or an SA. They they go on within a couple of days, weeks, whatever. But um, I just worried that there's just so much more footfall and so many more people to keep happy with SA. So rent to rent HMOs for me, once you've got the tenants right, once they've you've got your money and the HMO set up legitimately and they're good quality and they're going to last, then yeah, it's it's nice and as passive as it could possibly be, really. So 100% rent to rent HMO is what I'd highly recommend. I love that. So people listening, if you're in that situation, you know you've got five grand or less, you've got ten grand or less. Maybe you live in London or an expensive area like Cornwall. You know, yes, you can get investors, but just consider for your first deal and consider if you can get out of your day job you may have more time then to actually do what you need to do. And speaking of that, we mentioned earlier, you recently quit your day job. Um, what, cause the question everyone always asks is, you know, what made it the right time? What factors, what things, what money in the account? Like what made, you know, August the right yeah. time for you to quit? When was it right? Um, I, we, I, I literally put down the figures on, on a piece of paper. What do we need to live and at, what are our outgoings? I think our family outgoings for literally everything, including Netflix, a lot. Like literally it was about £3,400. So I said, right, I want to add an extra 20% on that as a little bit of a buffer. And um, I just said, as soon as I hit that figure, then I'm in a safe zone to get get cracking and get out. Um, I'm in a, I was in a very fortunate position where I actually really liked my job. Um, if it wasn't for the traveling and since COVID, my job was kind of perfect. I was doing my, doing my job, but not traveling. It was like, wow, this is a bit too good to be true now. Um, so it was a really difficult decision to be fair, but it just got to a point where my now business partner, James and I just, we've just got too much going on and I need to be giving it more, more and more attention really. So I knew I had a six month notice period as well. They contracted wow. um, me to a six month notice period. So again, that was good because it gave me that little bit longer security wise, but it was also difficult because it's like oh once my notice is in and my head is really difficult to stay in the game but because i really respected doing everything i just i was so determined to give my all still so yeah i was i've got a lot of gray hairs um <laughs> well going ain't gained a lot of gray hairs in the last six months put it that way I but think- i just knew yeah money was safe Tej, and i knew that when i was getting out i knew what my time would be filled by and how where i was going yeah, you had a plan basically and a plan mm. backed up by actual financial, I don't know, modeling or planning, whatever you want to call it. So I think mm. that's one of the most important things is right. If you don't have the cash flow that Dan had there, do you have enough savings to last enough time? And you know, do you have enough that there's going to be a buffer and it's going to be safe for you and your family and, you know, your dependents, whatever it is. So 
Now you're, you know, full-time property, uh, how does it feel and is it strange and is it weird sort of having to get up and motivate yourself and have a different routine? What does it feel like? Um, it feels, I, I feel like a, I've lost half a stone just because of my, the, the extra mobile I was carrying around with me every day. Um, but no, it feels good, but it feels really good. Um, it, it's been really difficult to get into my head that I haven't got to be doing extra because I've always been thinking, Oh, crikey, I shouldn't be doing this. I should be doing my day job. So the guilt side on that respect has been such a weight off my shoulders. Um, because I know I've just been stealing so much time from a day, my, my employers, but yeah, it feels great. It feels good. I'm excited, really excited. It's great to be able to give a lot of my time now to one, my family, like Wednesdays is a family day for me. So I don't no property, no, no work on a Wednesday. That is my family day whereby the kids are at school, my wife and I and my newborn, um, we will have a day for ourselves. It's just something that's a bit for us. And, and I got that from my James, to be fair, my partner, business partner he something he's done and he's, he swears by and it's yeah it's been nice i've had my first couple of family days uh which have been brilliant and i can highly recommend so yeah just it's been nice just having that bit more freedom really mate i like that i think maybe i'll do a fifa and xbox day instead <laughs> <laughs> because like you know to take a day off is something that or to tell your employer oh can i have sort of one day a week less in work and can i can i please be paid the same um ain't never going to happen. You're getting slapped out of that office, right? Um, yeah. Even if you're at Google or some cool hip company, you know, I don't know, the chances are still going to be like, yeah, but you're getting paid less or like, hmm, you're getting judged. But you are earning the same amount of money. Uh, actually, it works out as more money for the time you work because you're working one less day. You're doing developments now as well with James, which we'll speak about in a second, and you're having more time off. So I think, you know, for people who are in a situation like yours or in a situation like you were in, it just goes to show that, after you know what two years you've been doing yeah. two years yeah. actually you know you had the rent rents sort of a bit back so relatively um kind of quickly if your outgoings are not crazy crazy large and you put your mindset to it and hopefully you have a blueprint you know i hope dan shows everyone listening that you can kind of get more freedom because a lot of people on the podcast are like oh no i feel less free after proper you know going into property mm-hmm, and yeah. we're so busy it's nice to hear from someone who's actually like well I've worked my ass off. Let's actually enjoy this because you didn't do it for anything else but your family. So it's really nice to hear that. And I hope people are inspired by that, that they can do the same thing. It's not easy to switch off, Tej, as you know. <laughs> it's not easy. And it yeah. is so, especially when you've got a, a smartwatch and you, you feel the vibrations in your pocket. It's like, I need to check that, but I really shouldn't. But no, yeah. It's not easy, but I could, yeah, definitely recommend it especially with tenants and you know people don't have to take a day off it could be a few hours it could be an early weekend it's like i think we have to look at why we're doing this and then it's like i had a friend and he was like yeah you know i was i was doing all this property stuff for my family blah 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 and then they were like you know we don't see you that much you know what are you doing this for and he was like for you and they're like yeah but we don't want that we just want you so can you just like chill and so yeah i think it's interesting to focus on why you're doing it and the pain that you're trying to fix instead of creating more so sure you are doing developments now now yeah this is you know this is a world up from hmos and buy to lets <laughs> and flips and so obviously from rent to rent it's like a, a big world up mm. um why are you doing developments uh yeah why are you doing developments Go big or go home, Tej, isn't it? Is it you said, hey, Biggie said more money, more problems. So <laughs> I don't know it, which one we're going with. Um, it's, it's always been a dream of mine. I've For the last six years in my day job, I've been going on building sites, working with developers, architects, building controls. I've, I've been on other people's sites helping them spec stuff for, for so many years. It's always been a dream and an aspiration to have my own. So um, I could do this. I could do it on my own. Um, 
but it would take me far longer to get and achieve my goals. It wouldn't be as fun. Like my wife, I love it a bit and she's amazing, but she's not interested. She's not, she's not bothered about property. <laughs> it gets quite lonely. It's nice to have someone to bounce off. So literally I've teamed up with James and um, James is someone I met through um, the local networking event that I host. And yeah, we just, we hit it on similar values, similar morals. And he's just a, a massive action taker. And I highly respect what he's achieved in a short period of time. And we literally sat down at a Christmas function together and we just said, look, literally I'll race you to, um, to freedom essentially. Um, <laughs> and the bugger beat me. <laughs> and I'm also disappointed that he actually got interviewed by you first as well. So I've got sloppy seconds there on a second. Occasion. Well, I mean, he beat you to freedom. So somewhat, you know, I mean, I had to pick the winner first and then, this you know. <laughs> Oh, this is recorded too. Isn't it? Um, so yeah, no, it, it, why, why developments? Yeah. Just, we, we just said that we've got similar goals, similar aspirations. What do we want? We want doors. Well, how are we going to get doors quickest? Well, developments, blocks of flats where you've got one big purchase, and you just replicate. You've essentially got five refurbs in one property. Um, that's just a way to, to, to break it down. Like we had our James's regular painter and decorator lesson. He came and viewed one of our developments and he was like, whoa, this is a bit big for me. It's like, no, honestly, it's not. Like, this is how we could have looked at it. Just look at it. It's, you've got one flat. You've got two flats. Just see them as separate properties and projects. And it's not as big a deal then. And I think that's just simply it, really. And it, we're not, we, we still don't know everything, but we know the people we can go to to get the answers for that. Um, and we're confident with that. So I think that's the key is you've got, you've got to get your own way. And once one quote that I'm a massive, massive fan on, I'm really hoping I don't butcher it now, is you could go fast alone and go further together. And I'm, mm. I'm a massive, massive advocate for that because, again, we could both be doing this on our own, but there's no chance in hell that we'd, we'd um, be doing it as fast and as, as well as we are if it was on our own. And yeah, it wouldn't and- be as fun either. Uh, yeah, I don't think it would be, you know, and, and when I, when I was speaking to James and for everyone listening, that podcast, um, is out, is with James Baker. I'm always going to be out. I don't know. You, who knows when this is getting released? Um, mm-hmm. but you know, he said the same thing, which is it's a, cause I said, you know, well, you've jumped from sort of like essay and, you know, write or whatever into mm-hmm. development. He's like, well, yeah, but we've just, you know, we're just working with the right people who can guide us and yeah, you know, it may, may cost more, may take more time. It may be less in your control, but I think, that's all part of the risk that, hey, well, you're doing developments, then find a QS, find a PM, find Definitely. a broker who deals with it, learn these things, you know, go on YouTube, see how houses are built, go speak to a developer. I think, you know, that's maybe a more modern way of doing it, which is like, well, instead of, it's like who, not how, right? Like, 100%. You know, who can do this for me, not how? And, you know, d- does it feel, has it felt overwhelming going from, you know, what compared to development is simple, like rent to rent, into this complex development where there's like, 101 check thing, things you need a checklist on every single property. Oh, I think the only overwhelming bit has been that the timing of them coming off. Um, for example, we've had, we've had, we've got probably about five deals at the minute, but we've got two that we're currently working on. And I'm kind of like pro- PMing, project managing one. He's on, James is on the other one. And we weren't, we didn't, didn't time it like this. We didn't want it like this. We wanted to do one, focus on it, both of us, the other one, then we move on to the second project. But the way that they just timed, we literally completed on them a week between each other um, themselves. So it's kind of like, shit, this is our first development now. We've got a block of five flats and we're doing a grade two listed conversion from commercial to residential. It's kind of like, whoa. So there's been a lot of overwhelm, but I think what the nice thing is, is we are able to help one another in, and split the risk. We're splitting the the jobs. We're we're able to, to bounce off each other. We've got an idea, a suggestion, or a solution. And um, I think the key again is we were really worried about grade two listed, but we've never done it before. And it's kind of been this like massive unicorn. It's like you do not touch a grade two, a grade <laughs> two three star, whatever. You do not touch a, a listed building because it's just going to be a minefield. But we've gone and sourced a, a really good uh, heritage consultant. 
We've got um, a historic building surveyor. They are worth their weight in gold and they have been such a massive help and a um, piece of our, our armor essentially for this. So, okay, yeah, uh, overwhelmed, yeah, but <laughs> growth doesn't happen in your comfort zone, does it? <laughs> it's, it's, you've got to get out of it, get out of the way. And That is very, very true. And, you know, with, with the developments, and I suppose maybe more so with your partnership, one, how did you know that, like, you know, this could be a good JV? What kind of traits or, you know, how did you both sort of um, come together in this sense? And, you know, when it comes to developments, I suppose, specifically, uh, for people who are maybe looking to get started, any tips for them? So two questions there. So how do we meet and what made it right? Um, yeah. So, again, how we met was just that um, the local, I host the professional investment group, PIG, in Cornwall, which you kindly came and joined us on Zoom last year. So thanks, mate. And, um <laughs> Yeah, we, we met there and we just hit it off. He was coming to the events. Uh, again, I, I was asked to host that before I had any rents rents. <laughs> I had no kind of property background whatsoever. It was more a case of uh, I'm used to standing at the front. I was quite a confident guy and we kind of clicked with um, with Angelos who, who kind of ran and launched Pig. And so I took that on. James came to me and we were chatting away. We both had, uh, we both used Angelos as kind of like our mentors as well. So we shared a mentor. And again, it was just, we just, chatted a lot kept in touch and it wasn't until in covid last year in 2020 summer of 2020 whereby i was just thinking like there's going to be so many opportunities off the back of this and i, I could do it all on my own but i'm not going to be able to jump on the, the real juicy opportunities on my own i really need someone else to work with and, and share it with really and to share the risk and i literally called james up and just said james obviously we've been chatting about this quite flippantly for quite a while like is this something you're seriously keen about because i think there's going to be some opportunities here so at that point he was like yeah that's sure so we're both in employment, we're both just chatting, sat down, wrote our goals down. We did the whole um, personality profiling and everyone said, oh, you should be opposites. But to be fair, we're pretty similar on the the, um, the, pro- the personality profiles. Like we're both consoles and you think, crikey, well, that's not going to work. But uh, we, yeah, it does. It does work. We, we both know what we like doing and we're good at. I always thought I would be the one that's dealing with the agents because um, I, I'd like to think myself as I'm a good conversationalist and i'm happy to chat with people and but crikey no james is far better at that than me uh, basically he's just far more patient than i am i've got the patience to talk to people <laughs> that he has so again james does the sourcing he'll chuck me a deal i'll do the analyzing of on on the spreadsheets and stuff and i'll see if it stacks and then we'll come together and then discuss it so it's just a nice cohesion but again you've got to find what you both like doing because again i thought i would have preferred doing that role but having seen him do it i've realized that he's better than this at me dan step back let let James take the lead there and um, he loves it absolutely loves it where I was doing it thinking I was good at it but I didn't like it that much so but what I do like is the PMing and the specification the technical side we're building right I'm, I love all that but James is again like whoa stay clear from that thank you <laughs> so it's just finding what you like and what you're good at and um, just making sure it works for both of you really cool and the second part was development uh, people who want to get into it people who are new who have like no idea but they see the big profit and maybe they don't see the problems um what are your three top tips for getting into development top tips to get into development i think you're not reinventing the wheel here like it's not like we're we're, it's just we're the first people who've ever done this i think the key was for me is just following people that have done it and they're doing it um ask them questions if there's a course you want to do or do it as long as you can justify it and you think that these people will be able to deliver what they're saying but i've not done a a development course not any of that um how do you get into it? Research. Find people that are doing what you want to be doing and copy them. Learn from them. Shadow them. Ask to help them. Say, can I come and work on your site? I'll do it free of charge. Or I, just, I'll just i be cheap labor. Just I want to teach, do an earn and learn. 
Um, so invest some money with them and on a, an earn and earn basis, perhaps. But I think you can't just go in blind. You need to to have either a great power team around you, have a mentor. That so again, that's something we James and I had. We have a mentor. We're literally with our focus is kind of getting doors, as I said, getting blocks of flats. Um, and our mentor is the expert on that in our eyes. So we go to him if we've got questions. And I think the key is yeah, find others that are doing it and and just um, don't be an asshole, but just try and add some value to them and um, get some help, get some assistance. You're not going to be able to do it all on your own. 100%. I absolutely agree. The, the networking piece there is so important. And if you have a social media or in your case, you know, as well have a networking event, you know, and you can, or, you know, go to someone's networking event, mm. you can meet these people. The, the sites I've been on and the new build people I've spoken to where I've just been like, Oh my gosh, I've learned so much in a half an hour or an hour. It's, it's incredible, you know, and yeah, you know, again, like we said earlier, you might have to pay for it and sometimes, and that's just fair and that's life is what it is. People need to get over it. But there is a lot of networking and other events where, you know, you will meet people and even, even the person speaking will teach you something that you haven't learned before. Um, but I suppose also to remember people is like development is hard. It is top of the triangle, you know, in, in property investment and there's a lot that can go wrong and will go wrong. So, you know, definitely do a lot of research, partner with someone, um, do what you need to do to get in a comfortable stage. Uh, Dan, if you could have a billboard uh, anywhere in the world, what would it say and where would it be? I think my, um, what would it be? I'd say, again, I, I'm a massive advocate of teaming up with people, Serge. I'd rather have um, 50% of something than 100% of nothing. Um, so I think, what would it be? What would it say? I'd say, yeah, go, go fast alone or go uh, further together. I, think I'm, I, I do really believe on that. Um, I think that's why we go and advocate. I'm a big advocate for for sharing the journey. Really am. And where in the world would it be? Where in the world would it be? It would be on. I would put it. Oh, that's a nice question. <laughs> Top of the gherkin. <laughs> Interesting. That would look funny. Um, <laughs> just a big square thing. That's not my design idea. That's not my creative design. Yeah. <laughs> that idea, right? That's not our properties. Don't look like big builders. <laughs> and if you could have dinner with any three people dead or alive uh who would it be and what would you eat oh who would it be arnold schwarzenegger mm. uh loved his book total recall you could help him with gym and stuff like help him oh, work yeah, out. yeah. yeah. i'd like to think i could give him a few tips um david goggins again i really i, I again his mindset is just boggling um yeah, and I just love. I, I just know I would not eat my dinner as quick as I ever would do if he was sat next to me, just <laughs> chewing my ear off. So Goggins, I just massive fan of that. I, I really like that. Um, his mindset, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Who else? I quite. I'm really. I'm enjoying um, Stephen Bartlett. Actually, I quite mm. like Stephen Bartlett. I think he's quite an interesting character at the minute, and he's achieved some amazing stuff. Obviously, a new dragon as well, and yeah, he's he's quite an interesting guy. Um, young entrepreneur, achieved some amazing things. I, I'd love to. Chew his ear off a bit. And with regards to what would my meal be, Ted, I'm, I'm not a massive connoisseur, if I'm honest. I'm, I'm more a quantity rather than quality guy. Um, I like my harvesters and stuff and, and my Nando's. So what would I have? I would probably have a meat feast somewhere. Uh, that'd be mine. Mm, you know what? I've mixed had... grill. Oh, yes. Yeah, I've grill. had Stephen Bartlett has come up like literally in the past four or five interviews. Like I right, asked this question. So... It's really interesting because I think like he was obviously undercover before when he was like, what? I don't know how undercover he was, but now he's got a book, the podcast, and he, well, he makes like a million quid from YouTube alone. Or no, from his podcast a year or something crazy. Um, 
and I think he's great. And I think the fact that dragons have got him on is such a big change from their, um, definitely old boys, old girls club. They kind of have at the moment. It's kind of nice mm. to see someone more relatable. So yeah, I love, I love Stephen. I think he's great. And, uh, Dan, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, if people want to get a hold of you or if they're in Cornwall, uh, where can they go? Where can they find you? Where can they meet you? No, fab. And thanks for having me, Tej. Uh, means a lot. And with regards to where to find me, Instagram's probably easiest. So dan.ansonhart, that's A-N-S-O-N-H-A-R-T. Um, or we've got our website, cornwalllivingproperty.com. Um, so yeah, they're probably good ones. If we've got our own Cornwall kind of property podcast we're starting as well. But um, yeah, they're probably the easiest ones, Tej. Amazing. And of course, um, the pig group, uh, go there. Uh, it's a really good event. When I spoke there, I remember the engagement was awesome. And hopefully one day I will get a plane or a helicopter or something. Um, and obviously, you know, five star accommodation covered by the hosts. Oh, I'm sure that's not one. It would be one of James's essays, one star Airbnb. Um, <laughs> so yeah, hopefully I'll be there in person to speak soon. But, uh, yeah, thanks again, Dan. Sweet. No, thanks. Pleasure as always. If you like this podcast, connect with Tej on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube for more great content.